I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. James March is a freelance travel writer based in Birmingham. He's written for a variety of publications, including the BBC, Nat Geo Traveller, The Washington Post, The Telegraph, Lonely Planet and Condé Nast Traveller. This is the latest episode of The Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in our industry. James and I spoke about Desperados, Flamingos, Don George and Jamie Oliver, and he shared with me how he became a specialist writer on France, which is almost ironic given that France was the place where one of his less proud travel moments took place. And on the way to France is where our story begins. During that post-university pre-calendar time period when I sort of bounce around in jobs and uh, sure. very little direction you know I, I thought I'm going to get out of the country for a little bit because there's not much happening here and I took a job putting up tents um, <laughs> for Eurocamp oh, yeah. <laughs> in spring <laughs> spring 2009 this was and you know getting them ready for the summer season you know the campsite seasons very yeah, popular of course. in Italy of course um so yeah I did I did that in Italy for a few weeks um I actually hated the job. I really didn't like it. <laughs> That's I, the spirit. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really not a handyman or a handy person. You know, writing is my only virtue. Pretty much. <laughs> it, I didn't like the job, but I loved actually being in somewhere else, you know, somewhere different. And we had one day off a week. And, you know, I took that time to go to Siena, to Pisa, wow. to Florence. You know, we were in Tuscany. Um, it was pretty cool. But when that finished, they asked us, do you want to stay here for the season? Do you want to go home? Or do you mm-hmm. want to come and put some more tents in France? And I didn't particularly want to stay because I don't really like talking to the general public. So <laughs> I decided to avoid that. I didn't want to go home either. <laughs> that felt like failure. So 
thought, you know, I'd, I'll go and I'll carry on doing this in France. And I hadn't been to France for a few years, so I was quite looking forward to it. So we ended up driving up the coast from a town called Livorno, all the way up this Italian coast around around the Horn, so to speak, past Genoa, then Fantastic. down to Nice, and uh, where a few guys flew home because they wanted to. And I and another lad, another guy, say lad, I mean, he was about 25 years older than me, worked for Bay <laughs> from Essex. Um, Classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, we decided we were going to stay on and put the tents up. And in the end, the guys flew home and we had a train booked to go from Nice to Bordeaux um, at midday the next day. So we stayed over in Nice. The next day, we missed the train. Brilliant. We got lost in Nice in this Eurocamp van, um, trying to find the train station. Couldn't find it. Missed the train. We only missed the train by about half an hour. So we had the next train. Still, was- still quite a long way to miss a train, boy, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, hang on. I wasn't driving. Just put uh, that out. Much better. Much better. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next train wasn't until six that evening. So we had, you know, nine on five hours to kill. Straight in to the, the pub in the sunshine of the south of France, and I mean, what are, we, what are two guys from England going to do? Straight to the beach. You know it. Right onto the, uh, the beach bars. A few, <laughs> few looseness. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. Just enjoying... When in Rome. When in Rome. Totally fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And a few beers on the beach. Um, we went back to get our six p.m. train and over to Bordeaux. Um, pick up a few cans for the train as well. Classic. You, know, you ever had that stuff, Desperados? Oh yeah, beautiful. Yeah, the Mexican style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, beer, yeah, they're very popular in France. Um, so yeah, we got on the train. Had a few more. Um, <laughs> it got quite dark outside, um, so we we're kind of nodding off a little bit. Um, we sort of clunked along our way along the south of France towards Marseille, um, past. Can and Toulon and all these places mm-hmm. um, as it got darker and darker. And what I didn't know and what we should have known, but we were too stupid or drunk or didn't see, we were meant to get off at Marseille <laughs> right. and change. <laughs> That's what we should have done, but we didn't. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we thought we, you know, straight to Bordeaux. Uh, it's dark outside. We couldn't see anything. We were both tired, sleepy from the, the drink and and the sunshine, not not just the ring, right? Just yeah, the sunshine. sunshine. Yeah. Just been a tiring yeah. few weeks for you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So we missed. Well, we didn't know at the time, but we missed it. And the train just kept going and going and going. And it got to about two a.m. or one. I think it was one a.m. midnight, one a.m. It reached Leon. This is 2009. This is pre-smartphones. I had quite a primitive phone. At this point. Right. So in my head, I couldn't really remember where Leon was. <laughs> I thought it was somewhere in the middle. Which kind of is, but it it's more to the east. Yeah. Um, so I thought that's a bit curious. I why are we going in the middle of France when we should be going out west anyway? I was so tired, I just sort of fell asleep, and then we woke up again in the dark in a town called Metz. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not in the south of France. <laughs> <laughs> I know roughly where that is for some reason, and. Uh, yeah, I realized, I quickly realized we were on the wrong train. Fantastic. Yeah. So we were the next stop was Luxembourg. So we <laughs> ran off. Yeah, and got off in Metz and we're 
I don't know how many hundred miles away from the place we were meant to be, but it was highly embarrassing. <laughs> we had to phone up Eurocamp, tell them the blunder we made. Oh no, you had to actually, you had to come clean. Yeah. I, oh I, Christ. I, it was very embarrassing. Yeah. You were, um, you were expected in Bordeaux that evening, I assume. Yes. Oh, brilliant. So we were, uh, near enough in Luxembourg. Yeah. <laughs> which Fantastic. is near Yeah. So, but although of course, of course, folks, that was many, many years ago. That was long was. before James became a travel writer and, and was expected <laughs> to actually navigate to the right destination. Yeah. Also because Dave was many years older than me, he had to make the phone call and not me. Yeah. Well, it's only, it's only fair, right? It's Dave's fault. I reckon Dave, yeah, yeah. Dave missed the, Dave made you miss the train in the first place. Right. Oh, it's all Dave's fault. Yeah. All Dave's fault. Dave, if you're listening, damn you. <laughs> but it was a good story. Anyway, um, <laughs> tells me when we finally arrived to uh, much frivolity and embarrassment. But hey, <laughs> we got there and we got there in the end. James, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's kind of backtrack and, and tell us, uh, you know, let's speak a little bit about James as James March as the writer. Tell us where you come from, you know, what you studied, how you got into travel writing. Yeah, so I grew up in Birmingham. Um, I was lucky enough as a child um, and a teenager to travel quite a lot. Um, thanks to my mom's job. Um, she was actually a travel agent. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Um, so I suppose you can, <laughs> it's kind of been in the blood, I guess, <laughs> one way or another. Um, so, yeah, I was lucky. She always often managed to get good deals on flights and whatnot. Um, so as a kid, yeah, I was often I went to California, California, Florida. Malaysia a couple of times. No way. Australia, um, um, France a few times too. Um, all interspersed with a few rain sodden weeks in Cornwall. <laughs> just just to bring me back down. You've got to, to balance that. it out a bit, right? It's only yeah, fair. Yeah. Whereabouts yeah. did you get to in Malaysia? Kuala Lumpur? Um, so that was the island of Penang. Um, oh, amazing. And another island i can't remember off the top of my head what it was um are we talking Tioman? are we talking langkawi langkawi that was it there he is that was it yeah langkawi that was yeah just um <laughs> i don't even know why my parents chose to go there it must have been exceedingly cheap i don't i, don't, I really don't know why that was <laughs> on the agenda <laughs> twice um but it, yeah that going on those long haul trips i think really prepared me in a way um for what i do in the future um although it wasn't particularly obvious why that I'd ever get into doing this um it, it was a, a dream when I was younger but I never thought it would really be possible um mm -hmm. so I didn't even, I didn't even consider it um so yeah I spent to Leeds University uh, uh -huh. studied, studied history um I enjoyed the subject but I had no real drive um or idea what I, wanted to do <laughs> I still don't that, I wouldn't worry <laughs> with that degree I mean, there were a few options flung around, like museum curator and all this sort of stuff. Sure, and sure. Really? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, but I finished university in 2008, just at the um, the time of the financial crash. Of course. It was pretty, so it's pretty bad timing. And so to compound that with a complete lack of focus and idea of what I wanted to do, <laughs> I ended up bouncing around in jobs, not really having any vision for anything, really. Um, which led to me leaving the country for three years. Um, I moved to Canada Fantastic. in 2011 um, for a couple of years. I lived in the city of Toronto um, with an idea of eventually moving to Montreal to try and learn French, but that never happened. <laughs> I enjoyed Toronto so much. 
Um, but I did eventually move to France in 2013. I spent a year living in the city of Lyon. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's not far from Grenoble and the Alps, but it's not too far away from sunny south of France as well. Um, yeah, and I know it well. I used to live in Grenoble myself. I think we might have spoken yeah. about this over a beer probably many, many moons ago now. But yeah. Awesome part yeah. of the world, right? Yeah, and Lyon's an amazing city. Um, yeah. I was actually recently um, for the first time in eight and a half years. It was wow. amazing to go back. Um, but yeah, so eventually I returned to the UK and got settled on a job that couldn't have inspired less passion in me for <laughs> six years working in the energy industry um, uh -huh. power yeah selling energy contracts it was just yeah pretty i can really really sense the indifference in your voice right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty uninspiring stuff um, throughout that time i attempted to go into many different careers uh, i even tried to become an airline pilot believe it or not good lord wow yeah, I flew a plane twice um, from Coventry Airfield. I flew a Cessna 172 a couple of times and just got terrible air sickness. Bloody hell. Hang on. Hold the phone. You you flew a plane. That's right. Yeah. With presumably zero qualification certifications. It's, I guess this is part of the training. You didn't just nick it yeah. or whatever. Yeah, there's an instructor. I mean, it was, it was a bit of a one-off thing. But yeah, I was allowed to take off. Um, I flew around in the air. Um up to height, I think it was either 2,000 feet or 5,000 feet, I can't remember. Uh -huh. But I remember flying, we took off and I started flying, I got the controls and was following a route down, uh, I think it was the M42, and we were flying above Leamington and Warwick in that area. Amazing. Um, and I remember feeling quite bullish and thinking, this is my new office. You know, <laughs> nice. I used to work at, yeah, at this miserable office at this miserable desk in Solly Hall. <laughs> now I'm, this is my new office you know, and all these like you know the yoke in front of me and all these like buttons and flying up high above everyone else and it about 10 minutes into that flight my stomach started feeling weird and oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well so pride came before a fall in this sense right you were like it, it was suck, a beautiful day as well. it, hole. it was what sorry <laughs> yeah. it was a beautiful day as well um but Gutty. eventually <laughs> i had to give the uh, controls back to my co-pilot because i was feeling so awful and then <laughs> basically emerged from the plane when we landed green <laughs> pretty much turned the shade of green at that point unfortunately <laughs> um, you don't get the same problems when you're when you're flying as a as a passenger right oh no 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 i'm a huge plane nerd i love planes um the, just the, not piloting the, them no and the bigger oh. the better as well so okay. if, you're, if you're in a a380 or a yeah you won't even feel barely you know the yeah, the movement and up there yeah it's perfect. very comfortable but in a little spindly single engine 17 cessna 172 then you feel everything every <laughs> little gust of wind and it, <laughs> if you've had bad roller coaster experiences then it's kind of oh oh yeah well okay well before before the listeners start to feel queasy along along with with the both of us because yeah. already you know i I confess nowadays I'm not brilliant at flying, which is not a great problem for somebody who works in travel to have. But yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm getting soft or weak or whatever it is. Let's let's yeah. not talk too much more about wobbly planes because we'll have to stop this. <laughs> yeah. interview. Um, but tell us, kind of, how did you get into? You know, you say you. I guess you're almost working in travel at this point, piloting an aeroplane. Let's say you're almost working, but there's still a bit of a leap from from this to 
um, to your your current job, your current career. So tell us how you yeah. kind of got into travel media. What were your first jobs in the industry? Well, yeah. So I I tried a few other things that during that time period, um, including I tried to become an uh, air traffic controller as well. <laughs> I barely got a first base with that, um, and then tried a bit of my hand at coding as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Did something completely different, but I really had a good go at that. But it, in the end, wasn't for me. Um, so yeah, but in I think it was June 2018. The, the thought of travel writing again popped back. I was at the end of my wits here a little bit. So right. I was thinking there's no there's no career out there for me. And I'd always thought that you needed a degree um, in journalism. Interesting. Interesting. To do travel writing. It was, you know, to be in a national paper or a magazine, then you it was incumbent to have a degree and show off your credentials. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, well, I don't have that, but hey, why not give it a go anyway? <laughs> And so I ended up ordering a book called uh, literally How to Be a Travel Writer by Don George. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Off Amazon. I think it was its fifth edition or something. And I just devoured it, essentially. <laughs> I'd read it at my lunchtimes at work, went out, sat on a park bench. I'd bring like a little highlighter pen with me to make notes of the most relevant sections. And it really, I found it really inspiring. Um, he didn't cut any corners either. He told, you know, he explained that it's difficult. He can be away from family and friends yeah of course most lucrative job in the world but you know if you want to make a go of it then go for it and one of the first pieces of advice was literally write about what you know um so that summer yeah i started a blog about birmingham which you started a blog um i did end up a pseudonym as well because i was so embarrassed about putting my <laughs> name out there <laughs> like um you know the, the idea that i'm doing something creative was probably a bit strange to a lot of people so yeah is it is it still live is it still there oh it's yeah it is yeah i don't know why i don't it's called second city scenes it's, it's still a, yeah it's still going um yeah. search for it i think it's second city scenes dot blog um absolutely will second city scene oh. <laughs> plus yeah i started a twitter account and an instagram account um everything just with pictures of birmingham writing about birmingham yada 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 um just things that i thought were interesting in birmingham largely based around I'd say gastronomy. It was a lot of like pubs and restaurants and craft beer and that sort of thing. Let's talk a little bit about your first kind of job or your first commission within the travel writing industry. First couple of jobs, first couple of destinations. Where did you get to in your first trips? Yeah. So I mean, I did the blog for a while and eventually it was, I decided, you know, I've got to start pitching these, you know, sure. these titles. You, sure. know, I, I, you know, it's not... Um, around the bush i'd work for free for <laughs> totally <laughs> um so yeah and my first ever commission was for lonely planet actually um, brilliant that was about birmingham it was just a fairly vanilla kind of listicle about the best you know things to do in birmingham uh-huh. Uh-huh. Best things to do but you know looking back on it it's a pretty standard listicle piece but it meant a hell of a lot for me at the time brilliant uh, I, remember, I remember getting the commission during the work day um sat at my desk and I almost started hyperventilating <laughs> I was so excited like when I was you know trying to create one of these energy contracts and then seeing that email come through asking me to write a piece for Learning Planet it was quite amazing that's um, huge yeah but I mean so yeah I, I carried on pitching after that and a lot of rejections a lot of getting ghosted as we call it you know sure, sure. responses um but later in 2019 and I'm September, August, I think things really started picking up. I started getting commissions from a few places. Um, 
Telegraph was one of them. Um, eventually, eventually, Condé Nast Traveller asked me to write some stuff about Birmingham, which is amazing. Fantastic. Um, airline magazines were a big thing then. Um, Post-pandemic, not so much. Of course. But I wrote for a few of them, um, Emirates, Malaysian Airlines, In-Flight Magazine, Scandinavian Airlines, SAS. I did uh -huh. um, and yeah, I, my my very funny enough, my very very first press trip ever was to Manchester. Of all places. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which is for an in-flight magazine that doesn't exist anymore. It's for WestJet. Good uh, lord. Yeah. Um, well, the, the airline's still going, but the magazine isn't. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so that was that was quite a um, real eye opener for me. Um, you know, showing I finished my work day. N power then went straight to Birmingham New Street Station and got a train up to Manchester. Got to this amazing hotel called Native. Um, mm -hmm. They checked me in and I was like, oh my God, I didn't pay for this hotel. <laughs> what the hell? And I got to the room and I kind of dropped my bags and was like, this is amazing. I'd normally be in like a travel lodge or something. Mm. Nothing against travel lodge, but you know, it's just oh, nothing wrong with it at all. I'm probably <laughs> going to use one in the next couple of weeks, but yeah. it's a slightly different experience, right? Yeah, and it kind of, I guess that was a, a moment of sort of validation um, for what I'd been doing. And that was also the day that I handed my resignation in. Oh, nice. At the nine to five. So it was a bit of a double kind of celebration. Um, no looking back? No looking, yeah, at that point, yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, kind of, I was hyperventilating again that morning. <laughs> I noticed, Am I really going to do this? Like, And that was a big, big jump to go from, a very secure but uninteresting career to a very exciting but you know unpredictable for lack of a better word right career. yeah summer 2021 it, things started to look more positive you know the vaccine yep. was there i was jabbed and i was ready to go out and uh my first trip was to berlin that was my first fantastic upper travel writing trip um which uh, yeah it, that's, that's a city that i hold quite dear to my heart anyway i love berlin uh -huh. I really interesting city with a really unique history and it was yeah amazing yeah getting on the plane for that time was surreal i had been on a plane for almost two years and it was yeah it felt pretty amazing so you're kind of well back back on the horse at this point let's say so you're starting to well it was that kind of 2021 was that kind of weird window in between lockdowns i think we're talking about right so so the world was very much not back to normal i mean arguably it never will be back to normal as we associate yeah. normal from 2019 um but you, you know things are starting to come together you're starting to get out into into europe if no farther at this point starting to see the world again mm -hmm. starting to get back into your uh you know back into your flow as, as a travel writer yeah 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 2021 was a strange year it was that time when we had to uh like book ahead to go for a pint we could only sit outside you know um, if you want to have a drink and it was freezing and there was a thing where you had to have a meal you're only allowed a meal <laughs> yeah and there would be like there was a local in crouch end or crouch hill where you know there was this rule right where you had to have a meal you you were only allowed to drink if you had a meal like basically on your table or that you could prove if the police came you could prove that you were eating something <laughs> okay. so there was a local in crouch end that did like literally at the end of the day just all the leftovers got slopped into a big casserole cauldron yeah. and literally the next day they just slapped it into a bowl and it sat on your table <laughs> while all the locals got hammered because they were had you know they had a meal 
Yeah. Not in a million years are they going to eat it because it's literally reheated leftovers from a stranger's plate. But, you know, the, I, the one weird kind of weirdly enjoyable thing that came out of the lockdown, and there weren't many, one weirdly enjoyable thing that came out of it is the amazing resourcefulness that the British public have to get around laws in order to yeah. enable drinking. We had a few of them in Birmingham, yeah. Yeah, I bet, right. A few interesting lock-ins. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's not go down that path too much because we'll get no. in trouble. Lockdown, yeah, the lockdown period was, um, it, it was, I still managed to get some work through it, you know. I, right. I ended up um, having my first commissions with the BBC. Fantastic. Three, three Fantastic. pieces with the BBC. Wow. Well, about Birmingham, presumably. No, no, no. It wasn't. Cool. It, was, it was, you know, my first one was about Luxembourg, which is a curious little place. Yeah, for sure. Europe. I mean, most people don't know where it is. But, <laughs> um, but I'd been there on a whim uh, in 2017, and I was really, I don't know, I found it such an interesting place. And that was the subject of my first. Obviously, we couldn't travel anywhere, so oh, of course, right. Travel for the piece, but I drew on some memories. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. conducted some Zoom interviews about Luxembourg, and you know that led to my first piece with BBC, which was pretty big during a time when we could barely travel. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, presumably the two things aren't connected, but you know, many many years after your frivolities and your. Uh uh desperados induced dilemmas let's say you actually became a france specialist funnily enough due to your you know thanks to your career and thanks to your time in leon perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how you came to live in leon and, and kind of how that's affected and, and helped your career yeah so one of my goals when i went to toronto in the first place was to learn french sure um, and yes Toronto's in Ontario. It's not a French-speaking <laughs> province. French-speaking province. However, I did have ambitions to eventually move to Montreal and Quebec. Um, but I started learning French there, and it, it was a bit of a labour of love, really. I really tried. I mean, I used podcasts, I used YouTube books, textbooks, classes. Eventually, went to French-speaking meetups there too. Um, wow, fantastic! Which were I was highly apprehensive about, very nervous and scared of going to. To actually use this new language that I barely, you know, I was getting by on, but it was so that was yeah, that was a real huge development for me. Um, my visa in Toronto only lasted for two years. Um, I had Australian friends who had visas for almost ten years. I don't know how they got my information about that. But never mind. Um, but I was only allowed to stay for two. But I thought, you know, with my language skills now at a high, you know, decent level, I'd actually go to France, and which is a bit of a dream for me really to live in France yeah um and so yeah I spent a year there in uh Lyon felt Paris is probably a bit too expensive to live in um but I chose Lyon uh it just awesome city out. yeah I frankly didn't know much about it really but I chose it and yeah it was it's a stunning place it's pierced by two rivers there's hills it's there's a Roman settlement there um, it's the gastronomic capital of France and yeah made some good friends there but many years later yeah that that experience in leon led to a few commissions um even even before i left the nine to five i'd written a couple of things about leon excellent um the lonely planet had a free things to do piece there's a neighborhood piece for the i think now defunct emirates airline magazine mm. um and a couple of other things and yeah so that experience really helped develop my travel writing career and it's 
continued since. I've done another thing for Nat Geo about Leon's very unique restaurants called Bouchons. Yep. And um, this year, really, in my, I'll say this year, this last year, I've actually finally been able to travel to France once again at long last. Um, it's taken me down to Marseille, to Nice, um, a couple of spots in the north of France as well. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, and eventually, eventually Lyon last month. I've managed to really do quite a lot of work in France over this last year, and I really want to continue that because France is hosting the Rugby World Cup in September. Yeah, exactly right. Great, great place to be for uh, yeah 20, for the end of twenty twenty three. Yeah, so it's um hopefully there's a number of different cities hosting matches uh, throughout September. I'm really hoping to get over there and do some good work. I've just recently landed a commission to go back to Marseille. Uh, Fantastic. Geographic, uh, which I'll be doing in the next few months. So I really love that city. I've never had the chance to go there. Really recommend Marseille. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. One of these places had a bit of a bad reputation over the years, a little bit like Birmingham. <laughs> so interesting. I, what kind of, because it's industrial or? Yeah, actually, yes. It's, it's a, the famous port city of France. It's probably in downtrodden. Uh, I think you'll find that gritty is the often the adjective yeah okay interesting used in almost every single travel article about marseille which annoys me a little bit <laughs> but it's got some great food there um the, the harbor is amazing the street art is incredible too so much um, it's a really art splashed city it's graffiti really colorful plate graffiti and interesting neighborhoods there's hills there's old cathedrals um there's le Calong, which is like a walking trail um rocky walking trail yeah folks if anybody's interested in the Kalonk, it's c-a-l-a-n-q-u-e-s Kalonk of marseille which as you say mate it's like a walking trail right i mean there's, yeah it's, it's, it's quite rocky it's a bit of a headland um and there's some diving there as well there's um inlets there's little inlets you can dive into um, awesome. interesting place that again anything but gritty um fantastic my last time in Marseille, actually, I bumped into Jamie Oliver in the street. Good Lord. A bit random. I do remember. Yes, I remember you seeing, seeing that on that. your social media. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was random. That was a back street as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's filming a TV show, like a travel show or something. Good Lord. And I was walking there. And I was like, well, I was like, well, I'm pretty much the only Englishman here, I'd say. And I'm probably the only person in the street who knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, you know, getting filmed. At one point, the cameras moved away, and I thought, this is my chance. I'm going to go and say hello. He doesn't know where I am. I'm probably going to annoy him. He did annoy him. Mm. Um, Why not? He's, he's used to it. Film. He's used to people walking up to him in the street. He has to be, right? Yeah. I think he was filming some B-roll footage. It wasn't anything great, but he, I think I interrupted some something he was doing. Wow. I managed to get a quick selfie and, you know. Serves so. him right for being famous, eh? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's yeah. let's stay on the south coast of France for a second, mate. We're going to pop. I think it's about 20, 30 minutes west to Arles from from mm. Marseille, following the coastline towards Montpellier and Arles and the region of the Camargue, which brings us quite nicely to mm. the piece that you wrote for Journey magazine. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Journey and your your story that you wrote for us. Yeah, um, so I first uh, met Cav at the. British Guild of Travel Writers Summer Party in yep. 2021, I think it was. <clears throat> Incidentally, that was actually my first ever um, event, like travel writing event. I'd been wow. to met Lord. other people in person, uh, other writers Fantastic. and editors and PRs in person. I never met anyone Fantastic. in my industry. Um, 
and I was actually yeah so that was actually quite a big event for me um and I was also quite rough from the night before um <laughs> which I'm, notice, I'm noticing a theme to a lot of these stories actually <laughs> mate itself. yeah I was a hotel opening in Birmingham um excellent three drinks all night and I yeah the next day I had what Christopher Hitchens once described as a paint stripping hangover um, <laughs> so yeah I wasn't wasn't in great shape but I was by the time the party started yeah, um, of course right the, um I was all right then and you know journey been my radar a little bit already um because I, I knew them um I'd seen there's a bit of a crowdfunder going for it and it was yeah, a that's right. inspiring project um you know by travel writers for travel writers and photographers too uh, photojournalists and yeah I really wanted to get involved really wanted to do something for them um and the pitch call out came in I think it was a bit late that year and yeah it was you know, it was the wildlife theme I think if mm-hmm. I remember correctly I mean what I know about wildlife you can fit on the back of a cigarette box <laughs> however oh, don't, don't be modest mate don't be modest. <laughs> however I remember reading about this strange little area of France with wild flamingos and rice fields and black wolves and white wild white horses and i was this i, was, I thought this will work and i tried to i remember what it was it was an area called the camargue mm-hmm. which was if you've ever been there it, it's very very different from the rest of the south of france everything you envisage imagine about the south of france this place isn't wow there's no golden sands there's no expensive hotels there's no you know fancy bars there's no hollywood stars um it's just a very it's a pretty wild area frankly it's entirely flat as well it's yeah the rice fields and the flamingos popping from one pool to another Amazing. It's a totally different feel from anywhere else it feels it's very rural as well and you know i'd never been there but i'd read enough about it and i really felt i'd work for a journey and I, think I sent a pitch off to uh, Emma Gibbs and she said yes. Yeah, and I spent a bit of time in the city of Arles. It's uh, a really interesting, uh, lovely little spot. It was also, it was a Roman, originally a Roman city. There's a huge amphitheater still yeah, there. Of course, of course. And it was also the place where Vincent van Gogh spent 1888 and 1889, I think is the time he spent there. Mm-hmm. And some of his most famous works were also produced there um the starry starry night is one of them and nice. cafe at night which still exists actually the, cafe, the same cafe he painted oh, still wow there. that's amazing yeah it's pretty cool it's bright yellow and it's a bit of a bit of a tourist spot of um, course but you know it, it, it looks cool it's cool to see it and stand in the spot where he painted it from um yeah the focus of the focus of the piece is about the Camargue region though and it's really really unique area of the south of france um it's not easy to get to, to be honest. I mean, it's probably, you're probably better off getting a car. I foolishly enough decided I'd try and hire a bike when I was there. Brave. Um, and use public transport, which in hindsight was a bad idea. <laughs> um, those buses are once an hour. And I was also there during a couple of holiday days. Um, uh, so, jour, jour férié kind jour of thing. Férié. Like holidays, folks. That's, that's holidays, the one, yeah. Probably. I attempted to hire a bike. The first my first day in the Camargue and everything was shut literally everything <laughs> so 
I had to walk <laughs> yeah, and hang around with buses. It was not much fun uh, doing that, but but it was worth it for the story, right? Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I had a photo published in that story too, um, which doesn't happen very often. It was very nice to have to inspire me to take my camera down there and really kind of get into that sort of travel writing, which is an area I'd like to explore more. Um, mm -hmm. Took a couple of photography courses in Birmingham. Um, Excellent. With a great photographer, Fraser McGee. He's a good friend of mine now. Oh, great. Um, and... Yeah, it's definitely something I'd recommend for aspiring writers to get into that side of things too. Um, we'll we'll yeah. pick up on that in, in one second, mate. Actually, the aspiring writers is a fantastic thing to pick up. We'll pick up on that just after these messages. But for anybody looking to uh, to get to Arl, which is the kind of the, the gateway to the Carmark, I think it's fair to say. Arl is A-R-L-E-S, folks. You're probably going to fly to somewhere like uh, Marseille or fly to somewhere like Montpellier. And then basically you need to to get a car to get across to Ireland, Carmarg, is that about right? From yeah, from Marseille, from Montpellier, sorry, yes, I think so. Um, but right. you can get a plane from Marseille direct. It takes about fifty minutes. Um, a little bit shorter if you're going straight from the airport. Mm. Four minutes from the airport. Um, yeah, it's, it's relatively easy to get to. Um, it's just from the you know, then you've got a decision with the Camargue, which sort of fans out in a few right. directions towards the south. Then you've got a few decisions to make about which which way you want to hit it. Um, it there's some interesting uh, salt pans and salt flats on either side. Wow. Um, which sparkle in bright pink during the summer months. Um, yeah, I mean, it's mad, isn't it? We hear a lot about like the salt flats of Bolivia, which is, you yeah. know, the, the the other side of the world. But you don't really hear much about the salt flats of Colmar, which is, what, a two-hour flight away? <laughs> yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah, um, crazy. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, so what I did there was I did a safari tour. It quite... I, yeah, safari in inverted commas. Yes, yeah, know, sure. Plains of Africa, but it's you know you get to. Go I did a safari in Exmoor. They still called it a safari. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, it's so yeah. I mean, you go in a jeep, and the guy who drives wears khakis, and you know it's you <laughs> pop up through the roof of the jeep and take photos as if you're like yeah in the Serengeti. You're not, <laughs> but it, it's pretty cool to see flamingos and rice yeah. paddies, salt flats, and the wild bulls. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really cool place and it's not too far from Marseille. So I recommend, uh, yeah, I recommend it for the summer. Folks, of course, you can read all about that story in issue three. That's James March's piece on the Carmarg region of France in issue three of Journey magazine. And as you know, we were just about to start talking about tips and advice for people who might want to get into the industry. And we'll get into that right after these messages. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right i'll do it. sign up now and you'll get unlimited for 15 dollars a month in six months of paramount plus essential plan on us mintmobile.com slash switch upfront payment of 45 dollars, equivalent to 15 dollars per month unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds videos at 480p active mint customers by 531 24 get six months of paramount plus essential plan auto renews after six months offer ends may 31st 2024 separate paramount plus registration required terms and conditions apply if rated pg 
And welcome back, folks. James, we were just about to kind of start talking about any tips and advice. You know, for people who are looking to get into the industry, perhaps you could talk a little bit about uh, the thing that I so rudely cut you off out earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mentioned photography. Um, yeah. Going back to the very start, I'd say that if you're considering a career in travel writing, travel journalism, however you want to talk about it, I'd say just don't feel inhibited because you don't have a journalism degree. Sure. Fantastic. Just going straight from my own personal experience, that was something that prevents me for a long time from interesting doing a career. It was I just assumed that you had to be either Bill Bryson or Paul Theroux or <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> one day, yeah. Or have a degree, a journalism yeah, a journalism degree. Right. And it, you know. In the end, no, you don't. You don't need a journalism degree. Um, as long as you've got the drive and desire um, to really break out now, then you can. It's There's a number of platforms and ways you can do it. You know, there's blogging, which is the obvious one. Sure. I started. Um, you know, you can go the influencer route if you so wish and springboard from there. You know, you can start an Instagram account and, you know, you may eventually pick up invites to places. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that might lead to something um essentially yeah the world is is your oyster it's a cliche but you know there's so many opportunities out there so yeah go for it i mean i i started by reading books really i mean that ah. is something i'd highly recommend too um read as much as possible really open your horizon to see what good travel writing is really like um you know um Anything from the classics of Paul Theroux and Paddy Lee Firmer through to more contemporary and great writers like Manisha Rajesh, I'd really recommend starting with those. Um, also, the, the help books too, you know, the Don George book I mentioned earlier. Yeah, sure. She has to be a travel writer. That was a great, really great. Um, recommend Travel Writing 2.0 by Tim Leffel as well. Um, okay, interesting. He really, goes, he really goes into the blogging side of things there. Um, it's I think he started four or five different websites um, and he really emphasizes having multiple streams of income, which is really important. And it's part of <clears throat> in this industry. I personally haven't done yet. I thought about it. And so second city scene, my blog was never a monetary thing. It was just something to get my thoughts. It's an outlet. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An outlet, essentially. Yeah. Um, but that's a great thing too. Um, and then I'd recommend reading Strunk and White's The Elements of Style, which I think any writer probably knows about that book. But if you're starting out, you may not. It's only a little book, but it really shows how essentially how to write and not um, <laughs> test uh, an editor's patience. Um, really <laughs> helps with your brevity. It helps with being concise, uh, making sense, and not faffing around with long intros and wasted paragraphs and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, reading reading is really important. Folks, if you are interested in the name of the book, it's The Elements of Style by Strunk, S-T-R-U-N-K and White, often just called Strunk and White in the industry or in the trade. Uh, but the official name of the book is The Elements of Style. Uh, let's stay on the note of books, James, for a second, mate, because I know you have a book of your own coming out in the next month or two. Perhaps you could share a little bit about the details on that. Yeah, so... Lonely Planet have been good to me um, over my Fantastic. short career. 
Um, and it's it started off with that commission back in the day. In yeah, yeah. Early well, 2019. And yeah, so in the last year, I've started contributing to their guidebooks. Excellent. Uh, been a, a real pleasure. And my first one uh, was released in the summer of last year. It was a new series called it's the experience guides mm -hmm. um and they're a bit of a new style of guidebook um which frankly i thought was a good idea because what they're trying to do is make it a bit easier for people to read um they are keenly aware that most people when they travel these days just go straight to google sure sure google maps you know go straight to a top 10 list of places to go online it's in one click it's so easy and traditional guidebooks perhaps are being in some way phased out or at least in the way they are presented definitely and i suppose yeah travelers aren't particularly interested in seeing this great big wall of text that traditional guidebooks might hit you with um you might get a few color photos at the start but it's largely going to be endless text and broken up into a few recommended places but in the end of the day it's still a book um People have got, you know, pretty attached to their phones nowadays, me like me, me included. <laughs> and the experience guys are great. They're just uh, really bright and breezy. There's loads of photos in there. Um, the text is a bit larger. And they're based on experiences, essentially, right. rather than just listing out a whole cavalcade of museums and sports events and restaurants. They're legitimate experiences. So, for example, um, my one was for the Midlands, somewhere I'm from, yep. in England. And yeah, so in Warwickshire, we've got a lot of castles. Of course. You know, historic, Shakespeare, all that stuff. And, you know, I've wrote an entire experience about how to see, you know, historic Warwickshire through the prism of uh, its ruined castles. That was Fantastic. the entire theme of a couple of pages with big, bright pictures and um, my wonderful writing. <laughs> nicely done um, nicely done yeah um so yeah i contributed to the first incarnation of the experience guides in the summer of last year and i've got a new one coming out next month on i believe it's february the 13th could be wrong right. but it's called experience england um again i'm writing about the midlands um my home region and what to do cool experiences there and yeah it's uh it, i'd really recommend it um as a new style of guidebook interesting yeah 100 percent. yeah so check it out fantastic folks if you were interested so experience great britain as you said has already come out that's uh you can find that lonelyplanet.com and experience england which is obviously more specific to one of the states of the uk england uh will be coming out next month was that right yes that's correct yeah but yeah like i said i think it's february 13th i could be wrong um fantastic. yeah it covers a number of different regions within england um written by some great writers um really proud to be alongside some of them and wonderful yeah um it's again learning planet's been good for me and i hope to continue doing that wonderful james it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you mate but uh, we are kind of we are slowly but surely wending our way towards the end of our time together as it were let's just uh finish maybe you can share with the people who are listening how they can find you online how they can find you on social media how they can get in touch yeah so my website is jamesmarchtravel.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, both at the handle jmarchtravel. jmarchtravel. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you folks. You've been listening to James March, who is a freelance travel writer based in Birmingham. Thanks again for joining us, James. 
Thanks so much, Simon. Cheers. Cheers. Folks, you've been listening to The Journey Podcast. My name is Cy Wilmore. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.